different approach. If you approach it like Amazon um, and you just throw out a couple of ads, it's not going to work. Uh, D2C is a completely different marketing strategy. But if you do it right, just like what you're saying right now, just like what you did, you didn't have Amazon and you still yeah. made an eight-figure brand. Hey guys, this is Norm Ferrar, AKA The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Today, we're gonna to be discussing how my guest sold $238,000 in 24 hours. How did our guest grow his brand? What e-com tools and marketing strategies did he use? And uh, and what's our guest's approach to email marketing? So welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and FBA uh, podcast. All right. Today, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about how our guest sold over $238,000 in a 24-hour period. Our guest turned his passion for golf and unique business strategies into a seven-plus-figure business under his BombTech Golf. He's also the CEO and founder of Ecom Growers. He and his team have helped countless e-commerce businesses achieve amazing growth, six and seven figures in additional sales by implementing his proven strategies. Today, this is a first-time guest, Tyler Sully Sullivan. But first, before we get to Sully, let's have a quick word from one of our sponsors. Facing cash flow challenges with your e-commerce business? Discover Viably, your ultimate financial ally. From real-time sales data integrations to immediate funding access, Viably is here to support you. Plan your growth with their free tool for online sellers and engage with specialists whenever you need. Extend your cash flow with Viably. Sit back, relax, and grab a cup of coffee. Welcome, Sully. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, how's it going, Sully? Good. Don't have a coffee, but I'm here. Well, then, uh, okay. There goes the brownie points. That's it. I'm out already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My beard's too short, too. So sorry about that. Uh, well, Cheers. at least, okay, you made up for some brownie points because you got a beard. So that's uh, that's good. Um, all right. Is there anything, because uh, we've never had you on the podcast before, I'd love to hear a little bit about, yeah, in, in a paragraph or a couple of sentences, uh, about uh, you and your company outside of what I said in the uh, bio. Oh, man, this is a hard one to condense. It's been a long time. But no, so I, I was an accidental entrepreneur, started a golf brand in 2012, just from passion, um, was able to scale that to eight figures, sold mm -hmm. it in 2022. This is over a decade. And since then, I had an agency I started doing email marketing in 2016 with my first employee from my golf company, which was only because people were messaging me for help. And that's been in business eight years now, which is kind of crazy to think about, with about 35 clients there. And now recently, I launched a funny fishing apparel brand because I'm sick of being semi-retired and you can't golf and ski every day. And uh, now I'm doing podcast interviews. So it's been crazy journey and all of it online and emphasis was selling stuff. And it's never thought it would happen, but just started with uh, golf because I loved it. Oh, very good. Yeah. It's, it's funny how that happens. Now I'm kind of curious, uh, back 2012. A long the, time ago. <laughs> the, yeah. Well, not that long ago, but uh, for, for us Amazon sellers, that was gold. Uh, 2012 yeah. made more millionaires on Amazon than any other time period between 2012, 2016, uh, were truly the golden years. You could throw up anything and you could see money being made uh, back in the day. If you did it right, there was no PPC, there was no nothing. Did your brand take advantage of that? Or did you go directly to a D to C model? I was probably a slower learner than uh, yourself. Um, no, so it was all DTC until literally 2022. Uh, the new owners brought it on Amazon and you know had bestsellers and all that. But we, you know, I always launched with the idea of selling direct and just kind of really leveraged Facebook organic early days where we yep. did like when Facebook video first came out, we made a video. It was like me hitting balls in the backyard. It was an awful video. But it sounds like a bomb goes off when I hit it into the net. And I said, like, does your driver sound like this? And I boosted it for like 200 bucks. And that got 300,000 views, 10,000 comments. 
Wow. And I just followed the traction, you know, so I just started commenting on every single comment. I think my thumbs were bleeding on my BlackBerry because I commented so much. BlackBerry. You know, it was just one of those things where Facebook worked for us, then ads came out. So Amazon never really, we thought about it, we did test it, but for me, manufacturing our own product, the capital and needed was so extreme. Um, you know, with the molds, the two lanes, I never wanted to carry two inventories. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted the ability to launch new products to my list and actually own that customer experience. So Amazon never really became a thing for us, even though we were able to get to, you know, crazy numbers. It was all direct, 100%. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because, uh, you know, there was some huge uh events that were going on, uh, seminars, webinars about getting onto Amazon. And, you know, uh, my uh, buddies, uh, Jason Katzenbeck, Matt Clark, Mike McClary, they, you know, with Amazon, uh, amazing, it used to be called the uh, Amazing Selling Machine came out. And all of a sudden there was this huge blow up in in private label products. So uh, it's interesting how that happened because I've heard it so many times and probably a lot of the listeners that are listening right now um, have probably thought, well, Amazon's a captivated market. How can I even sell D to C? And I've been saying this for years that you, you need to, you, you need to cross the planes, right? There's all sorts of different things that you can do in omni-channel. It's a different approach. If you approach it like Amazon um, and you just throw out a couple of ads, it's not going to work. Uh, D2C is a completely different marketing strategy, but if you do it right, just like what you're saying right now, just like what you did, you didn't have Amazon and you still made an eight figure brand. You know, I think our early days when we did try Amazon, I I think we got suspended for not putting in the correct tracking because we did fulfilled by ourselves. And that one issue totally changed my perspective on it. I was like, you know what? Imagine if we have all this inventory and we're reliant all on Amazon and we get shut down or suspended again. I didn't want to live like that. So that was, that's why I was like, you know what? We don't need it. So we didn't, it's not like we didn't try it, but it was always like a secondary thing. And we had that fear of, okay, if we get suspended and have $5 million of inventory, we're kind of screwed. So I wanted to control my own journey and Facebook ads and email was the way for us. If you, if you were launching today, I forget Amazon. Yeah. Uh, and you had the, the the same launch. Would you be using Facebook? Would you be using different strategies? What would you do differently? Well, I just launched the brand uh, two weeks ago. Yep. <laughs> and it's it's going to be the same thing. The strategies may change, but I believe Facebook, Google, and email is really all you need. There's TikTok. There's other platforms, but. I mean, we would always put a dollar in on Facebook and get five back. And email for us was driving like 40% of revenue. And it comes down to more than just saying, hey, Facebook works, email works. A lot of times it doesn't work because you don't work on your messaging, your offer, the things that matter. It just amplifies a shitty offer and a product that people don't really care about. So it's we had a product line that was had a really cool story because I designed it with UVM. You know, I was a golfer. And was very polarizing. Some people hated us. Some people loved us. And we were kind of new to the space. Uh, first mover advantage in golf. And that made the ads really effective. Because you know what? If no one comments or engages with your ad and you're trying to appease everyone, you're never going to make it. And you're too vanilla. But we were extremely polarizing. And every we would get so many comments. Some good and some really bad. And the haters really hated me, which is interesting. But it actually helped their ads. <laughs> So they'd, they'd leave all this like, you know, uh, comments about me and the brand, how they didn't like us. But little did they know that all that engagement and comments made our ad costs lower and helped us sell more product. So I think if you don't have a product that truly has a very specific niche, polarizing and like a very, uh, very excited audience, like golf is very, you know, they can be very particular, then it's probably gonna be tough to sell direct. But for us, that's always the formula. You know, it's like, if I put this up, will people care enough to share it, comment, and have a real opinion on it one way, good or bad? And if they're just like not that excited, it's not going to work. Okay. I got to go down one more rabbit hole, and that's pricing. Mm-hmm. So is there a certain price point that you would say, I wouldn't even touch Facebook? 
you know, I, I, I I'll just be throwing good money after bad. I think it always depends on the offer, you know, so like our average order value was $240, which is higher price. The current products I'm selling now are AOVs $30. So it's, it depends on the offer. You know, you could, you could sell really expensive stuff. You can sell really cheap stuff on there. It depends on how you package it, the copywriting. It's really the messaging, the angle. And do your potential customers care about that enough? I do think it helps if you have an impulse offer price where it's like, all right, do I really have to think about this or is it, can I get my card out and just buy right now? So that always helps. So for us, we always had, you know, good bundles, really good offers that made it a no brainer with great messaging, but still selling expensive stuff. So I don't think you can just say, Hey, our products are expensive or not. We shouldn't try it. Um, but it's really the value in the, how you craft the offer, how you craft the messaging. And if people are going to care enough to be like, wow, that's cool. And get that emotional reaction from the ad. Okay. I, I see that we have a bunch of listeners. I see we have a bunch of comments. Uh, anybody who wants to comment, kind of curious. I, I know probably 90% of the people are Amazon sellers that are listening. Have you tried Shopify and let us know your results? I'm just kind of curious. So if you can throw it in the comment section, love to hear from everybody. All right. Now let's get in to the question of the day. Okay, this caught my eye when I uh, when I saw it. All right, you sold something. Just a small 24-hour period for $238,000. Uh, how did that happen? Well, you work hard and have a good product. You build a huge customer base. And that was a, this was a business I was in for 12 years, you know? Yeah. So over that time, I really always put the customer first. And I think that's something, the beauty of direct consumer is I can control the experience, good or bad. So we always train our in-house guys. We only had two in-house employees and those guys were doing customer service, which is typically the first thing you outsource. I did the opposite. They, my only in-house guys were the customer service guys. And I really wanted to wow the customers. So over 10 years or so, you know, I, I gave them free will to literally do whatever they wanted to do the unexpected. That was their, their slogan. I'm like, do whatever the customer won't expect and wow them. And over time, people, you know, the word of mouth from that effort was just insane. So they would repeat buy and we were selling hard goods, which is not something that you have to buy more of, right? Cause you could last for 10, 20 years or whatever, a lifetime. So it really took a lot of effort and post-purchase and email of like, we had a private Facebook owner group we'd invite them to. We had a uh, thank you voicemail we sent out, handwritten thank you cards, a video ad from me saying, welcome to the team as a Facebook retargeting ad. So we really welcomed them, not just to buying a product, but being a part of our family and community and team. And the Facebook owners group has like 30,000 members in it of all people that bought product. So it was like truly building community so that when I had the opportunity to launch a new product, like in this $230,000 a day, we could sell a lot of product and people were excited about it. So what I did is really with email, like when you send an email to me or to whoever, do you do a really like overly designed newsletter? Or do you just write a plain text like, hey, what's up Sunday for the Super Bowl, which you apparently didn't get, but uh from your co-host. But so that's like how we would approach emails. I would just have plain text emails of like, Hey guys, we're launching our 4.0 series, you know, um, reply back. If you want early access, it'd be that simple, like plain text conversational. And I did that for years and years that built one-to-one -one relationships where they would reply. We'd get 10,000 replies on an email. So I could tell just on replies, how the launch would go. And then when we launched it, I mean, we absolutely hammered them with emails, but they were conversational emails like, hey, it's coming soon. It's going to drop an hour. You got early access. And all those emails and all that text we got <clears throat> and the customer service guys ready. That's how we did $238,000 in 24 hours. It was just years of good customer support. And I know it sounds like that's a basic thing. It's not that sexy. And then using plain emails to get them engaged and having real conversations and then just tell them exactly what day, what time, and the fact that it could sell out. And we really sold out of products for years. So we'd, we'd launch something and sell out. So the scarcity was not fake. So that was one of probably 
10 or so launches we did that were over six figures nice, in one day. Nice. Yeah. I, I like that approach. Um, sometimes, you know, just the old kiss principles, right? Keep it yep. simple. And I, I'm curious about the email when you sent it out, uh, was it, was it formatted to the mobile look? Did you always have these very short sentences going down? You know, you know, the typical, uh, two, uh, two, 2000 right up to about uh I, I don't know it's still today you can see the stupid mobile thing so you look like you're sending it from an email phone are, are you still doing that approach what can you clarify what you mean yeah by that? sure so there's this uh <laughs> and i've taken so many of these bloody courses where they just said don't make it look like it's a regular email make it look like your sentences are cut off like it's formatted to a cell phone Hmm. I mean, we, we would just do, I, I don't think we even thought that in depth about it in terms of like strategy, we would just use plain text and however it came out, it would just be native to the platform. So like that was at the end of the day, I always thought of emails, like I'm having a conversation one-to-one. -one. Yep. That's how I want it to be. So we use very little uh, tactics, strategies, or hacks to like make better performance. We would use questions and we, we would use design when we needed to, but a lot of it was just like asking for real feedback over time. So we'd be like, hey, we're launching this new product line. What color do you like? Okay, yeah. reply back with this or that. Or for like a new product launch, this is a really effective way. We would say, and it's always the product I didn't think that would do well is what would do well. So like we have two new products coming out. I'd say reply back if you want uh, this wedge, reply with A. Or if you want this putter, reply with B. And I'd be like, the putter is going to kill it. And it would always be the opposite of what yeah. I thought, which was super interesting. And then like 98% would vote for the other one. And then they would feel like they were building the company with us because they really were. And that would help us actually give a roadmap of what to launch, which was super effective. But it's all very plain, very organic and native. So it never felt like a sales email. You know, we did occasionally do an on-brand sexy beautiful email but those usually didn't do as well as a plain email saying hey they just launched go to the website here's the link and one of the things that uh i heard years ago and we still do it today but there was this uh, company out of new zealand that uh said exactly what you're saying conversation have that one-to-one -one. but you could always ask either have a poll or ask a question and it could be, let's say you're in the pet industry. So it could be, do you, do you have a large dog? Do you have a medium? Do you have, you know, there's three yeah. types of dogs uh, or a pet. And what do you have? And then there's options. And what this person would do is he would send over a period of time, 26 questions. So that might be in 10 emails. That might be, but it wasn't something that was, oh God, I got another. It was an engaging email, one-to-one -one conversation. And the brilliancy of this guy is brilliancy a word. Um, the, he, he was able to create these 26 uh, uh, answers that really helped segment his uh, mailing list. So it was, it was super effective. Uh, people felt like they were, like you said, part of the company. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, oh, here's just another annoying email from this guy just, you know, with promotion. So that's that's actually great what you've been doing. And I don't think people do that enough. I think that they try to do too much and uh, just just keep it simple. That's all I can say. I don't know if you want to, you know. I mean, it's that. an easy thing to want to do too much because as a founder, owner, whatever you are, you want to put your best foot forward, make it look sexy, make, you know make it look great. And a lot of times that's just, it goes to spam. It's not getting engagement. And, and one, I hate to say tactic, but when you get people, customers replying, your chance of going to the inbox goes up significantly. So it's like, we did that organically because we wanted to know answers, but then a side benefit is guess what? Not, you're not in the promotions tab, you're now in the inbox. So there's a lot of benefits to just doing it, how the inbox should be done, but it's mm -hmm. easy to want to put a lot of energy into branding, design, and missing the boat. And at the end of the day, email may look sexy, but it may drive very little revenue. So right. it depends. Right. Like, what do you really want? And some clients, they want it to look a certain way, and that's fine. But we tell them if you add a little text 
and remove a couple elements, you don't have to always do this, it will do better. But it's a hard discussion sometimes. Yeah, a very hard discussion. <laughs> People have something, you know, in their minds that it, it, this is what works. And a lot of the time, that's not what works. Uh, the other thing I liked hearing you talk about is the different variety of um, community building. Mm. So we're, we try to do that here. Uh, we want a community. We want to know people's names. We want to know, you know, we just want to know them as humans and not just another listener. And as much as they engage, uh, then we get to know them. The much they go out to these events that we attend uh, and get to sit down and have a cigar with them or a drink or whatever, break bread, we get to build that community. So we offer, similar to you, we offer um, a Facebook group, WhatsApp group, uh, the newsletter, and then the podcast. And what, what we find is that certain people like things certain ways, but now they're part of, you know, this podcast or this um, this experience. That's all I'm going to say, you know, something like that. But it gives the person the opportunity. They might not want to listen they, like every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. They might just want to look at the newsletter and see these interesting stories. But what you've what you've done is something that a lot of companies, a lot of brands, specifically brands, don't do. And I think they're missing out a big time on that. Yeah, I think it's really relevant for, you know, a podcast what you guys are doing. For some reason, that is lost a little bit when it comes to product. Right. I don't know what it is. It's more of they look at, I'm, not, I'm overgeneralizing a little bit, but they look at email as like revenue channel, not a opportunity to build real relationships. And it's like, if you're going in the long term, having real relationships where they like, they would know my customer service names. They would have almost like an ongoing conversation for years. <clears throat> where they'd be like, hey, guess what? I went out and tried the club. This is how it went. Or, hey, check this out. I'm going to play this, you know, once in a lifetime course. So it was like, you know, real conversations with tens of thousands of people. And that's why we had in-house actual golfers that could talk to them, you know, like mm. on the phone. And like, I would, it would be cool. I'd be like, you know what? If you think you want to talk to them, if they want to talk to you for 45 minutes, go ahead. And most companies are like, get them off the phone. You want short call times, you know, because that's not best use of your time or money or whatever. I'm like, we want those relationships where they want to like, they would send them gifts and stuff. It was kind of crazy. But that's because over years, we really always took the approach of doing the unexpected and actually caring. And then it makes all the other channels more effective. Customer centric. Yeah. yeah. You hear about it, but most people don't do it. Okay. Hey, look, we're at the bottom of the hour. If this is the first time listening to the podcast, um, we have a giveaway every podcast at the top of the hour. Uh, it's called the Wheel of Kelsey. Uh, to enter and uh, to enter to possibly win this gift, uh, you have to do hashtag Wheel of Kelsey or uh, tag two people and you'll get a second entry. So Sully, what is, and I know it's a double part today, so we're offering something as well, but Sully, from your end, uh, what are you offering as that giveaway? Uh, I think the best thing would, I have a, a new company, Outside of Humor. We have funny fishing t-shirts and hoodies. I'll throw in a, uh, it's a bird's nest fishing hoodie. It's called Fishing is Fun. It's got a, a picture of a, a messed up reel and it's it's like killing it on Facebook. So I'll, I'll throw one of those in there. All right. Fantastic. And the second entry, uh, Kelsey, what are we doing for the second entry? Oh yeah. I remember. What are we doing? We're doing a social media audit for me. So uh, if you want to send me your links, I'll go over and uh, give you some action steps that you can put into place and kind of go over your uh, social media accounts and, and what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. And hopefully uh, have a productive talk and figure some stuff out for you all right very good so that's hashtag wheel of kelsey or uh thank you hashtag wheel of kelsey or uh what am i gonna say tag two people get a second entry and we'll see that at the top of the hour now uh kels can you do me a favor while i'm talking about this can you go over to amazon and throw up the next uh sponsor's uh product so today I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. I want to talk about, uh, oh, there we go. Start, scale, exit, repeat. So many of you who have been on the podcast before have heard me talk about Colin Campbell. So he is a, a very good friend of mine. He wrote this book, uh, really interesting news. 
he beat out uh he was the number one book in business uh i think it was last week like number one overall in amazon uh he was the number one for e-commerce uh he was at one point he had four categories covered but the interesting thing about this is that there's no like it's it just took off and the reason why it took off is because the book itself is awesome uh, he sent me over a book. I took a look at it. I read it. He said, can you give me your honest opinion? And I said, uh, you know, call, I think this is probably one of the best business books I've ever read because what it does is it helps you to start. What are the different things that you need? What are the financial obligations? What are the people? What are the strategies? And he breaks that into a section, then scale, then exit, then repeat. And it's a, it's not a small book. It's 400 400 plus pages, uh, but it's a reference guide that if you need a reference to anything within a business, this is a book for you to get. Now, the other thing uh, you have to remember that uh, Colin, uh, everything he touches, uh, he's had some failures, but most of his businesses, he just sold dot club to GoDaddy. Um, he has a pet brand that interesting enough, we're talking about email marketing, um, not, was, was not on Amazon as it was growing, but he grew this from zero to, to 10 million in a very quick period of time. Um, we were doing some Amazon stuff with it and, uh, over, I think it was two years, a year and a half, two years now went from 10 million to 45 million just with, uh, retail and Facebook. So you want to talk about D to C, um, that's a brand that he, he did. He, uh, he, he owns and, uh, it took off. He also had all these other businesses that, uh, were all major businesses, but it's the strategies behind it and everything he touches, he uses start scale, exit, repeat. So check it out. Um, and K uh, Kelsey will throw the Amazon link over, uh, to you. I know you can get it, uh, for a couple of bucks as a, what are they? It's just a digital, or you can get soft cover or hard cover. So, uh, doing this, not because Colin's a friend, but because after I read this book, it was awesome. Okay. So let's get back. All right. So have you ever heard of this book? No, but I should probably read it. Check it out. It's, it's awesome. It really is good. And, uh, I don't normally promote things that, uh, well, I don't promote things that I, I don't get right behind or vet. So, um, yeah, if you're if you want a really good solid book, he just beat out uh, Elon Musk's book. Whoa! Yeah, so uh, it's fantastic. So the other thing I want to talk about too is a lot of people are afraid to um, to do any of this stuff that you're talking about, building the email list, uh, doing any form of email marketing, doing any D to C, because they don't have that experience. And I just want to mention one thing that could be a game changer, and that's training. Um, I'm a firm believer. We give, uh, all of our staff a uh, free training. And one of the biggest resources we have is a digital marketer. So they have all these certification programs and they have all these different, um, either workshops, programs, playbooks to get you up to speed with whatever you're trying to do. Nice. Kelsey's, uh, taken it. Uh, other people in her company has, have taken it. So got no deal. All I can tell you is the guys over at uh, Digital Marketer, uh, if you're interested uh, in doing this, any of the listeners, you got to check it out. It's very inexpensive. Um, the There's one that you just go in and pay. Uh, we pay on a monthly basis. It was like 95 bucks a month, something like that. But our team gets to take these courses and they're fantastic. So I don't, what do you feel about that? Um, are people not doing this because they don't know how to do it? Why are people taking sides, Amazon or D to C, and you don't really see a blend? I don't know. We have talked and worked with some brands that were Amazon first and trying to get, you know, more diversified so you can control the experience, but it doesn't always transfer over. The skill sets seem very different. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure why go Amazon first. I think it's a different type of person. You know, I, I don't know if one is better than another for the certain person. For me, I wanted the control and it was pretty exciting on the Facebook side to be able to put in different, you know, 
images, different copy, build different offers and put in a dollar and see money multiply. Mm-hmm. That was kind of, it almost feels fake. Um, and it's still, I know everyone's like Facebook's expensive now or meta or whatever. I still think if you're going to launch any physical product brand, you have to at least give it a go. Um, I'm doing it right now and not saying it's going to scale to the moon, but if you've got a good offer, a good product, it's definitely possible. And for me, it's like that the best way to do is control that experience and get the email so I can then launch new products with them. Mm. Cause that's really the secret sauce too, is like, let's say I sell one hoodie or t-shirt that's getting sales. And let's say we break even that for me to start would be a success. And then as we launch new products, if I've done a good job and, you know, taking care of them, hopefully they'll buy again. And that's where the real profit and scale comes in is when we get to launch new products. And that's the fun part. So, you know, like with this hoodie or apparel brand I'm doing, you know, the goal is we got like one winning design. It'll launch new products to the existing buyers and, you know, hope they buy. And that's really the plan. And if they don't, we've got a different problem. But as long as you've got a good product, Facebook's just so powerful with the targeting. Um, and now they got meta shop. So it's like in its own ecosystem, which is really much different than before. And we're having tons of sales coming in where they, they say you can't track because of uh, iOS 14, but now with Facebook owning their own checkout, we have seen that not be as big of an issue. So it's just the amount of scale and how many people are on Facebook. If you can dial it in, it's pretty insane. I mean, cause I, Facebook built my first business completely. Like without it, it would not exist. So I'm very, thankful and, and fortunate that I took the risk and I really had no idea what I was doing. I was just following the traction. You know, I saw a video pop off here or a certain offer I tried here. It just kept going with it, you know? And, and one thing that I did that I'm doing right now is I vetted different experts for like Facebook ads and what I did. And it, it was pretty painful at the time, but it was how I was able to get myself out of the day to day and scale it up is I would do, I would invite people for a one hour challenge. where we would, you know, I learned Facebook ads to a baseline where I was kind of terrible at it, but good enough to get some results. Right. And then I would invite them for a screen share. And I'd say, listen, let's work together. Cause like, and these would be so-called experts. I say, let's build ads or you look at my account say, Hey, do this, this, and this, and it will improve results. And I would be in my ad account, hitting the buttons, hopefully learning if they were better than me. And then we would build out what they recommended. And it, if they beat me, it was a challenge, I would hire them. And it took me 15 people and experts or agencies that invited a test till someone could beat me. Hmm. At that point, I was able to hire them and I was with that media buyer until I exited the company. Um, and that's my little, because I think that's the hardest thing. It's like, do you want to learn yourself? Yes. I think you need to learn and get to a point where you can sell, you know, proof of concept, like call it, I don't know. 20, 30 K a month minimum where you're inside learning it, doing it, making mistakes. And then at that point, you know, try to have someone more expert try and beat you. And that's how I was able to find someone better than myself and scale up much higher. Yeah. That's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I haven't done that, but uh, Kels mark that one down. (laughs) That's, that's a pretty good approach. Now let's talk well, about just hiring agencies can be such a struggle. Oh, I, yeah. I, I fired a guy that was killing it because I didn't know enough about ads myself. And that's how I got in trouble and hired and fired like 12 agencies that summer. It was ridiculous of how bad it was. And I said, I'll never do that again without this one hour vetting process. So it saves everyone time, money, and you find real experts. That's all. I, I look at that with social media, SEO. Yeah, um, all of it. I, I'm going to throw a number out there. I have no proof of this, but just from my experience, probably 95% of SEO people and social media, uh, social media marketers don't have what it takes to be world-class, like good. You know, they mark as an expert. No. The vetting process will help with that. Yeah. But it can be painful if you're the one vetting them. (laughs) Right, right. You have to learn. You know what's interesting now? um, Different rabbit hole, but understanding the process or understanding how to use that process. Now, Josh um, Hadley, uh, I don't know if you know Josh, but Josh Hadley has a process. He's been on 
the the podcast and he's talked about the hiring process uh and the process that he does it's a whole um slide uh slide presentation that he provided that you could just follow through it's lengthy but once you get it done you can just cookie cutter it to your next job to your next job to your next job and it really helps uh you get to the short list of really experienced people that you would have never got to just asking a couple questions. Nice. So, yeah, that's the same battle with employees too, for sure. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Now e-commerce tools. So let's talk about some e-commerce tools, what your marketing strategies are and how you implement them. Yeah. From like a software stack, I, I'm pretty simple. I mean, most of the apps, unfortunately in the marketplace are really not that effective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just how you use them. So I was on big commerce for years. It was a great yep. platform, but Shopify is just since, I don't know, last couple of years, just so easy to get set up and they have one page checkout now, which I've been, I've been like yelling and screaming about one page checkout for years. And now they finally have it. So I'm thankful for that. And then we use Clavio for email, um, mm-hmm. which also has a pop-up now. And what else do we really use? That's a big one. Um, like those two things you can get away for just your website, uh, Facebook for ads and then Canva for editing images. Um, the only other thing that's kind of interesting is this website called place it. Um, which if you're like really trying to be on a budget, um, with Canva and place it, you can get most of your mockups made. So you don't have to get the physical product made. You can do like print on demand if you want to test it or something. Um, but we've done a lot of our mock-ups and designs. We're just uploading our, our design to that. And then, you know, it looks like a full lifestyle shot and that's like, helps you get the low barrier to entry without doing tons of photo shoots and and content. So that's kind of like the very simple stack I use. And if I'm doing really well, I'm not opening my computer. That's my goal. Um, if I'm in the computer all day, that means I'm in startup mode. But eventually I like to silo it out by expert. You know, I've got a Facebook ad expert that I can, they'll do that work, email expert, CRO expert, and then a fulfillment expert, uh, and then customer service. So if I have all those silos going well, I'm just a coordinator of each of all the silos. And it took me a long time to figure out that setup, but I used to work, you know, 20 hours a day, seven days a week. And I did that for years because I would do everything myself, ship clubs myself, built them myself, assembled them. It was insane. Don't recommend doing that, uh, but it, I needed to do that to figure out. But so now I just am a high level coordinator of said experts. Um, but before you get to that point, I'm not answering your question exactly, but you got to be an expert in each category and each software to know how to hire them and if they're better than you. And then really all of those things and softwares, it's all about the messaging uh, and the offer to the audience. I want to talk a little bit about email marketing and two areas. First of all, the email marketing itself, but first of all, probably more importantly is his deliverability. So you're using Clavio. You've probably got everything set up perfectly, but a lot of people, uh, and we found this out the hard way. We didn't have our email set up properly. Something was out. It wasn't getting to the inbox. Uh, People just didn't see it. And so we had to hire somebody and, you know, to take a look at it and, you know, D Kim and D this. And you know, it, so, you know, it, it took a little bit of, of money to, to finally get, we have a bunch of different emails, but okay. just to get it set up properly and uh, to make sure that we had the deliverability and all of a sudden when that happens, then things change. But that's so important. I don't think a lot of people, um, really think about that. And hey, there is an old timer there. Hey, Faye, nice to see you again. But uh, yeah, if you can explain a little bit of, uh, about the importance of, of doing that, and that is not something you can do yourself. Yeah, I mean, Clavio, I just did the, had to do this for my new econ brand. Uh, you know, this is the first time I've ever really had to do like the sending domain and getting the DNS set up. And you know, we were almost going to offer this as a service, but decided not to because it's just it's not that complicated, but it can be confusing. Um, and Clavio support actually was really helpful. And it wasn't it probably took me 20 minutes really? uh, with their help to do it. It's just 
you got to point the DNS to the right stuff. And I'm not a technical guy by any means. Yeah. Um, but I think outside of like having your, I forget what the, the branded domain you need to have to send or whatever, it's just sending emails people want to receive. If you're going to still spam them and send them crap they don't want, you're definitely not going to get seen. So I think the quality of the emails and the conversational style is more important than ever because, you know, if you, if you pass that threshold where you're not, you don't look as legit um, and you're just blasting people, the likelihood of going to spam or not even getting the emails there uh, is so much higher. So I think the quality of emails got to be better. And I don't mean design. I mean, it's got to be worthy of the open. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's been taken for granted for years. And I've never had deliverability issues because we had those conversations and we were in the main inbox. We weren't even ever in the promotions tab for the most part back then. So I think if you build into your flows, like I, we have like a, a question email that goes out right after you enter our first flow. And it's like, what does it say now? It's like, do you, it's for the fishing brand. It's like, do you use live bait or fake uh, or lures? And that one question plain text email is an automatic thing that goes out after you sign up for the welcome series that is a plain text. And then they reply. Now we're starting the conversation immediately versus <clears throat> sending campaigns and then occasionally throwing in the plain text question email. This makes it automated and gives me the highest chance of getting into the inbox and not going to spam or getting, you know, no deliverability. So that's, and I hate to use tactics or strategies, but it's like overall, I just use questions and I'm going to be launching new designs. I'm going to ask them the same thing. What but that's, design that's do you guys really like, important. You know? So when like we send out the newsletter yeah. and one of the, the things that help us guarantee that we're going to get into the inbox is just reply, you know, I forget what it says. Kelsey set it up, but just to have a reply. So they actually email us back yeah. and now we're in the inbox. So, you know, people don't have to worry about it because a lot of the time, especially with a newsletter, uh, it's, it's going to skip the inbox. So when yep. you subscribe, we just say, look, you're going to get an email. Just reply to it. And so simple. Like, how hard is that to say? You right. Just, and you're doing it live or, you know, yeah, just make it in context, <laughs> uh, you know, about fishing. So it's all like it can be simple and be like, hey, if you want to get the emails, reply back. You know, you use your brand voice and messaging and, and just tell them what's what's up. You don't have to be weird about it. I hate when everyone's like, let me try this hack or tactic. It's like, well, if you don't really care about the list and want to hear from them overall, nothing's going to help you, you know? And uh, this is just, you know, something I noticed during our conversation. I, I don't think we have to get into it because we've already spent a lot of time on it, but your brand is very customer centric and yep. your success could be attributed to that. Correct. hundred percent. I mean, I, I think if you, I think that was the biggest thing I had going into is I had no expectations and was so thankful for every customer. And like, really, I think if I went in and started my first business and said, Hey, I need to make a million dollars or I need to make a hundred thousand or whatever. I, it would have felt like work number one. And it wouldn't allow me to do all the things I needed to do to care about the customers. But I went in as a passionate golfer, you know, I was trying to compete in this home run derby of golf and I was in it every day. And, you know, so I had these long conversations. I was assembling the clubs myself. I mean, I couldn't get any more hands-on. And I really gave a shit and was really honestly thankful for the customers. And that was because I didn't have a revenue goal. I didn't have to. I did have pressure because I got my, my wife was pregnant and I was fired from my day job. So I did have pressure that came, you know, when it was a side hustle. But I think I just came at it from like, I am the customer mm -hmm. and I'm just going to do whatever it takes. And if you can do that and you already are doing that organically, you're going to probably make it. But if you're in it just for money and you're selling the hottest trending thing, I think it's going to be tough and it's going to feel like work. You know, it's like, I don't know anything about women's leggings. Yeah. But women's leggings sell 50 million units a day or whatever. I don't, well, I'm not going to sell them. And that's just how I approach it, you know, and, and that like, that's why I'm doing fishing because my son and I, we fish all the time. I fish with my dad. It's just something I know and love. And it doesn't feel like work because it's something I already know. And um, I'm the customer. So I think that's, 
being aware and being empathetic is in any business a huge part of like long-term uh, longevity and growth versus just running ads to a good offer to something you don't care about. It's going to be tough to stick with it when you have shitty days and rough months, you know? So that's, I, I think that's in the DNA of the founder or it's not. Right. Right. Okay. Kelsey, we got questions. Uh, we just got some comments about mm -hmm. uh, people's Shopify and Facebook experience so far. So uh, I think you asked the audience about if they've started Shopify. Cool Hand said, uh, I have a Shopify, but I don't pay much effort into it. And the results have reflected that. And uh, from Howard, Facebook has been frustrating for a while, finding it difficult to crack that code with the premium consumable. Um, Sully, do you have any tips maybe for Howard to get started with that? So uh, just to, to back up a second, I know Howard's product and it is a premium, high quality, natural product. Uh, so it, in the beauty category, uh, this should be selling all day long uh, if you had the right uh, ads, I think. Uh, but anyway, I'll let you handle that. How well does he know the customer? I think it all like early days or especially on Facebook, it's all about like the messaging, you know? So like if you had any success and sold some direct or even on Amazon or wherever it is, can you t like actually call up and talk to the customers? That was like my superpower, not superpower, but my advantage when I was doing golf is these things were high end, you know, expensive. Um, so we got a lot of phone orders. So I would have conversations all day with the customer. So I knew exactly who I was selling to. So the messaging that I could put in ads was, was spot on and would kill it. And I think a lot of people go in thinking they know who their customer is, but have never talked to them at scale or ask really probing questions to like really understand why they bought, what was the product as uh, face cream or something? What was that? Yeah, um, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's high. I can't tell. I don't know, Howard, if you want me to tell, but it is. All right, well, beauty, whatever it is. Yeah, it, beauty category. You know, beauty category, whatever it is, you know, you may assume one, you know, a 45-year-old woman uses it for this way, but maybe the people that are buying are the complete opposite. Like, we're selling a lot of these shirts to women, which I was surprised about. So our next step is we're going to start doing customer questions where we call them mm -hmm. to say, hey, we'd like to offer you free free uh, hoodie or an Amazon gift card or whatever and just ask you questions about your order. So you can call your best customers, your worst customers, kind of go all over the gamut and see if you can truly understand why their motivation to buy, not just like they like the color, they like the scent, they like the whatever. You got to keep asking and figure out, okay, you really want like the golf, you want to hit it two more yards farther because your buddies you're getting older and your buddy's out driving now that never did, or, Hey, you, you're missing all the fairways and you want to get a club that's shorter that hits. So whatever that is, I think it all starts with customer uh, curiosity and asking the right questions and going deep and then building the actual messaging and then the ads from there. And it just, because right now it's the targeting is not what it used to be on Facebook. You just like a lot of people run broad, which is like wide open, let Facebook do it. So it all comes down to the, image the video um and the copy so if you know exactly why they're buying you can make a video that exactly has that hook for that person and then have copy to match that so i i would i it's probably not the product page and all that stuff it's probably the messaging because it's always the only CRO we've ever invested in that had a result was messaging testing and what they did was actually what i said but at scale they would have tons of customer interviews and they would go into our facebook group and see all of what everything everyone is talking about. That's the advantage of selling for years is we could see exactly who bought it, why they bought it, what they're saying about it and use that directly in the ads. And that's kind of the beauty of it, but it's really hard as the founder, cause you're, you know, it's your business, your brand. Um, and you think, you know, it all. And that was what I thought too. So it's, it's like almost being uh, at least for me, I had to drop my ego and truly, let the customers tell me what they wanted and let them run the show. And once I did that, it was freeing, number one, and they become became the salespeople because I used what they said about it versus what I said, which is actually very different because I was competing in home run derby of golf and hitting it for like 350 yards or whatever. These guys are hitting 220 and they just want to get two more yards. I was trying to hit it 400. <laughs> so I was like, in some regard, I wasn't the customer and I had to ask them 
why they bought it and, and what it meant to them. Yeah, I've, I had a product. Uh, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I did research and I found out that I was wasting a ton of money. I had soap and yeah. I was selling to women. And I thought that was my audience and all my targeting was women. Turns out when I started to do research, it was men that were buying, it was buying the soap. So all the color scheme, all everything had to change, but it was just the wrong market. And excuse me. The other thing was Luke, uh, you had mentioned, what was that? Uh, what was his comment? Kels? Just a second, I have to find it. It's It was about uh, not spending enough time on Shopify. Yeah, so product. with Luke's product, again, I know that you know, kitchen utensils, but I, I would try to partner with somebody because you're at a price point that I think is a little bit low um, for, well, Shopify, Facebook. But if you're partnering with somebody, uh, at least for Facebook, you could bring that uh, order value up. Uh, that might be a way. And the other thing too, uh, I just saw this today in my email, but uh, sweepstakes. Uh, there are a lot of sweepstakes companies that are very good where you go and you give a, you know, maybe a gift card for, you know, $400 gift card. You pay a, a, a small fee and then they do a blast. Let's say it's for natural gifts or something like that. And then at the end, you have to provide the gift card and you get all the emails back. But you know that all these emails, five, 7,000, 10,000 emails, are all within your niche. So it might not be a very specific, it might not be um, you know, uh, focused, but it's within that niche, natural gift. So that's something else you might wanna take a look at, but you need to build up an email list. And without that email list, you're not gonna go far at all. Yeah, I mean, you could do a question, we used to do like a, a fitting questionnaire of like, <clears throat> you know, if we didn't have any info and we wanted to, there's definitely, you know, pop-ups that can do a quiz on like whatever skincare or whatever it is, like ask certain questions to really customize it for them. Um, we used to do that with golf, like how far do you hit it? Uh, how often do you play? What are you looking for? And that just gave us more info and almost looked at as like a lead business to start, mm -hmm. you know, where we would then, we'd actually reply and we got more sophisticated with automations and stuff. But early days, you know, I'd call them up and say, hey, thanks for filling out this form telling me about your game, <clears throat> you know, uh, let's talk more about it. And it's like, I think that's the part that early days, I, I was just so curious and willing to do that a lot of people just may not be willing to do. Pick up the phone, call a customer, you know, put in the extra effort to, you know, send an email direct yourself or follow up. And, you know, we'd even call abandoned carts back in the day. So there was a lot of things that took, that weren't scalable, that if you do them in the first, year or two that can really just give you an unfair advantage of knowing your potential customer that are, and, and I, I wish I could say, Hey, add this app and, you know, scale your spend or whatever, but it's, it's like, it's the offer. It's the, it's the messaging and truly getting to that place where you care about them and know about them enough to talk to them in, in the voice they have, but it's hard. It's not like none of this is ever easy. You know, any business starting is hard. Mm -hmm. uh, but Facebook's reach and power is just, it's amazing, you know? So uh, Luke's back uh, talking about, so he has some really cool uh, uh, products for the kitchen and um, like they're beautiful. We use them actually, Luke, you sent me over some samples and my wife and I, I use them on a regular basis and they're awesome. But uh, for example, uh, you have a product, I'm not going to mention the name, but yeah, just go out there and partner with somebody. I'll give you a great example. Uh, we have a, another brand, uh, which is uh, a very high-end uh, knife, okay? So that knife, uh, could it's a sushi knife. So that mixed with your product might be great, you know? And if you're interested in that, I could reach out to them. But there's lots of different ways to figure this out, you know, what uh, you can bundle with. Um, you can also just take it and do product explorer and see what Amazon says. Uh, look at your competitors and see who is frequently bought together with. Um, or you could just take a look at it. Uh, actually, you, one of the things you can do uh, is ChatGPT. What would be the best bundle for this product? 
and it'll give you a few answers. Then it's just reaching out to the people and seeing if they'd like to be able to bundle uh, with you during whatever it is, Valentine's, Mother's Day, uh, just in general on Shopify. So yeah, that's that's my answer to that. Okay, I think we have a we have a ton of listeners on, by the way. If this is the first time you're listening and, and you don't know uh, the Wheel of Kelsey, it's at the top of the hour. We're just past the top of the hour, so we're going to go to the Wheel of Kelsey right after this. But hashtag Wheel of Kelsey, tag two people. You get a second entry for a prize that we give away every week. It's always different. Today, um, we've got one of Sully's uh, T-shirts. It's one of his best-selling T-shirts on uh, Facebook. And we're also offering Kelsey's service, social media. So he's going to go out, take a look at all your social media um, outlets, and uh, just give you some suggestions and strategy. So hashtag Wheel of Kelsey, tag two people. And uh, we got about probably a minute before we get to the wheel. All right, Sully. Anything else to add before we go to the wheel? First of all, your contact information. Yeah, they can reach out. Uh, on LinkedIn, I'm pretty active. Tyler Sully Sullivan. Um, also, where else can you get me? If they're an e-com brand, you know, we work with seven-figure plus Shopify brands with Clavio uh, at ecomgrowers.com. Then if they like fishing, it's outsidehumor.com. You can check out what I'm doing. That's my, I guess, my new startup, which I haven't said in a long time. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's about it. You can message me on LinkedIn. I'd love to chat and see if I can help in any way or just talk business. Um, Is that POD, by the way? It, you know, I use Print On Demand, uh, Printify, which was great for proof of concept to run ads to see which ads had a decent return ad spend. Uh, and now I'm using, I'm manufacturing our, our own product to get the cogs where I needed them to be. Ah, okay. um, but yeah, print on demand. I have an article about that because it's really great for testing and teaches you a lot of skills, but there's just not, at least for me, was enough margin to get excited about. So I did start manufacturing our own uh, hoodies and tees. All right. Love to read that uh, article, by the way. Sure. Send it over. Okay. Now, let me just read this. We'll come right back to the wheel of Kelsey. Kelsey, where did you put my live read? Kelsey. Kelsey. Oh, just a second. We'll, uh, oh my God. You're so professional. All right. We're going right. to <laughs> just give me one second. You can, so uh, I, you're proving your worth. <laughs> Okay, so what do you want me to do? The Jeopardy song? Uh, how about those 49ers? How many people were satisfied with the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, go Bills next year. Anybody else have any questions while we wait for Kelsey? I should have memorized this by now. Sully, why don't you come back on and talk while we wait? I'm back. Here we go. All right. Help me out here. 49ers or uh, Kansas City? You know, my kids and I watched it, and, you know, we're Patriots fans, but uh, we're happy for the Chiefs. It was it was a good game. Uh, sorry about the Patriots uh, being a fan, but, uh, again, I'm a Buffalo Bill fan, and there you uh, go. look look what there. Okay, so it looks like we have this. Okay, you know, we're going to – The huh? funny thing is is that it was there the whole time. No. Oh, the funny thing is it took you that long to put it in to say that you had it in. Oh, Kelsey, own it. All right, let's talk about Seller Basics. And here it is. Okay, hey, Amazon sellers ever faced with account suspensions, ASIN hiccups, or IP headaches? Introducing Seller Basics, your Amazon accounts guardian, which is $99 a month or $89 a month if you put in code NORM. Uh, Seller Basics offers a dedicated team to shield your business from these challenges. Plus, this membership offers free legal consultations from seasoned e-commerce attorneys and no long-term contracts, and you can cancel in just a, month, uh, a month's notice. View Seller Basics as your Amazon account's health plan. Check it out at sellerbasics.com. And now for the disclaimer, Seller Basics isn't an insurer law firm. Consultations come from independent firms. Results may vary. 
membership is needed before events leading to claims and terms apply. All right, now let's show Sully the wheel of Kelsey. It's time for the wheel of Kelsey. Wow. All right. All right. So this is the Wheel of Kelsey. We're going to shuffle these up. Uh, if you are the winner, please email me, k at lunchwithnorm.com. And let's see who today's winner is. Steve. I think Steve's on a winning streak right now. All right. So All right. Yeah, Steve. Steve gets the T-shirt and he gets the private consult with Kels. All right, All right. Steve. Congratulations. Sully. Thank you so much. Want more great information? Don't forget to subscribe by clicking here. Also, if you want to check out our latest podcasts, click over here. Lunch with the, lunch with the, lunch with the.